right, so give, give us a little sound check here. Everybody shout us out. I say the levels are pretty good. Levels are good. Levels are good. All right, this is our third live show. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll tell you a little bit about ourselves and kind of uh, what on earth makes us think that we're qualified to do a podcast about teaching. And um, we'll talk a little bit about what we're working on, what we're thinking about, and then we'll open it up to questions to all of you. I don't normally sound like a tuberculosis patient. Um, I was just <laughs> expressing to Kevin my frustration that I was sick last week, and I'm all recovered except for this. And anyone who knows me knows that my inability to use my voice is, is terrible for me. Like, I, I hate it. It's terrible. Um, so, yeah. So, who are we and why are we? So, uh, we are merely two public school educators uh, in the Denver metro area. That's all we are. And uh, we started this podcast because we, we met... I came to our school, which is the Denver Center for International <coughs> Studies, and Gerardo was there. And we had this student named Ella Paul, uh, who had left my school, which was Maury Middle School, if you know, Cap Hill neighborhood, Denver. Uh, yeah, Denver, we're in the house, right? Denver, there we go. That's what we're talking about. So, and, and we have a whole segment of shout-outs, so if you didn't get one, you'll get one. You'll get one. And so uh, Ella Paul comes to me, and she says, there's this great teacher at DCIS named Munoz. If you guys met, you would be best friends. He's the greatest teacher. She'd come back to visit. She'd be like, you got to come to DCIS. You got to come to DCIS. Uh, and you yeah, got to meet Munoz. Meanwhile, I had Ella in class. And so she would say, you and a you and Mr. Adams would be BFFs. Like, it'd be the best thing. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, uh, like I'm being set up on, like, a friend date by, <laughs> by like, a 15-year-old. Like, okay, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so I came to DCIS. I finally got, I got hired at DCIS. And uh, I remember uh, me and Gerardo somehow got to talking after a staff meeting. Um, <laughs> That's when all And I was experiencing this common happened. experience, and maybe a lot of the teachers of color uh, in the room will understand. But after the staff meeting, I was feeling like I was insane. I was like, is everything that I'm saying not being heard? Do people not hear me? Do they not care about what I'm saying? I mean, a lot of perspectives us that do I'm actually reading? wonder if we're speaking the same language as some of our white colleagues. So, you know, that, that, that's a real and thing. So <laughs> I followed Gerardo back to his room, and I had a real quick question for him. I said, how have you done this? And he said, what do you mean? Done what? And I said, how have you been the only teacher of color in this building? How have you made it this long? And I said... Oh, <laughs> I never thought of it like that. Because what I realized is, is that, so I came out of college. I actually came to see you. So this is like, yeah, yeah, sort of. Yeah, okay, yeah, shout out to you. <laughs> shout out to you. Yeah, yeah, go Buffs. It was also a really problematic time in my life. Uh, a little bit of PTSD as I come down Highway 36 onto Baseline where it's like, oh man, that was some really hard years. Um, but I kind of came out with a lot of this kind of revolutionary fervor, right? Like I had taken ethnic studies courses. Um, I had taken courses particularly with the late Dr. Elisa Facio, who uh, was just such an incredible like role model to me. And I had really, I'd really begun to see education as kind of the most transformative thing a person can do, right? And so I came in with this idea of what I was going to do as a teacher. And then I proceeded for the next 10, 12, 13 years to be the only teacher of color in most of my schools. Um, and it's really easy to compartmentalize um, the thing that brought you to the game uh, when you don't have anybody who is as like-minded as you, when you find yourself constantly 
teaching and reteaching uh, kind of the ways we should engage students of color. So when Kevin asked me, how have you been doing this? I honestly hadn't thought about it and I had ceased to consciously think of myself as a teacher of color. I was a teacher and the other aspects of my identity those were just things that I lived outside of my job. I lived it with my friends, with my family, um, in my community. But I didn't live those things in my school anymore. So um, in a very real way, this man saved my life. I, I just really, you guys, thank you, thank you. But it really wasn't that big. I was just like, how have you done this? No, so, so like an hour later in the world, as we all know. This was his exact response, like, too. Like, I went off, right? <laughs> I just, I just like spilled. I don't think I actually cried, right? No. I didn't actually cry. No. And then he's like... You missed it up a little bit. All right. All right. That was a lot. <laughs> That's kind of the response I get from a lot of people is like, that was a lot. <laughs> like what you just did, said, you know, kind of... <laughs> yeah. So... And so uh, we started to like build this relationship. And again, like we come after uh, professional development um, and we'd, we'd meet up and we'd, we'd kind of have like this cathartic session like the real at the end because it was like, okay, they said all this stuff and, you know, they're talking about those kids or we have, we don't have the right kids or kids don't want to be here. And we started to kind of, you know, just go through these cathartic conversations. And we also uh, bonded over a podcast about um, one of the greatest <laughs> We're gonna, actors gonna in the world. Our- all the um, business out here. There's a podcast called Denzel Washington is the greatest actor of all time, period. Anybody know it? Anybody know that podcast? No, nope, just, just us. It's over now. Just us. But if you like Get Denzel in. Washington, <laughs> this is a very good podcast so this, to listen to. This is two uh, comedians, uh, W. Kamau Bell and Kevin Avery. Yes. Um, and, you know, you may know Ke- W. Kamau Bell from uh, United Shades of America on CNN. Kevin, why am I publicizing him? Like, he doesn't he he pay, he he pay us. Yeah. You're not getting our pub, Kamal, wherever you are. So, we, so uh, you know, we kind of stumbled across this podcast, and then after department meetings, we were like, did you listen to the episode? It was really funny, right? Like, did, remember when Kamal said this? And, you know, that kind of thing. And then um, and then Kevin came up with this idea. I was like, we, sh- we should record our conversations. We should just record what we're talking about. And then Gerardo was like, we could do a podcast. And I was like, a podcast? <laughs> He's like, what's that? And then we were like... Well, yeah. And we were like, do you think anybody wants to hear what we have to say? You know, because it was just us. And we kind of were having these conversations that we were like, is this really just us? Are are other people thinking this way? Are other teachers of color having these same experiences as they go through their uh, lives? And what we found out is that absolutely they were. And so we started to record. We got... um, a microphone donated to us by one of our colleagues, yep. and so um, unfortunately, that is the mic in two dope teachers and a mic. Yep. Uh, but the mic couldn't be here today. The mic couldn't it's be here. The mic, had, the mic had another commitment. We started recording. Uh, we started to record our podcast in this little tiny <laughs> closet. Off so y'all know, y'all know the old band rooms where so you've got this like band room, right? It's this big like open space. And then along the side, there's these little like practice are they rooms. like practice rooms. Yeah, he's a musician. I'm I'm not. But so these little like practice rooms, right? And we're like, we can just use one of those. And so we go in there. There's like profanity on the walls, like misspelled profanity. I mean, you really want to get down to like, you really want to get down to the problems with you know evidence based reading and writing. I mean, they're right there. Like it's like you can't even spell that the word correctly. 
and our and and so we you know that was the studio and our studio oftentimes was uh, housing like various things to help beautify our school. There were a whole bunch of clocks <laughs> at one point, and like so we'd be sitting there. Be, it literally sounded like a ticking time bomb. We're like, what is going? Like, okay, the kicking is really difficult. And so, you know, we, we went through and we started recording episodes. So, funny story, our first episode, like one of the best episodes oh, we ever amazing. recorded, was about Black Lives Matter. We were on one. It was so good. But you will all never hear you will that never episode hear it. You will because never hear we it. lost it and when he says to the we, internet. And when he says we, he means me. Yes. Yeah, he's like, where's that episode? I'm like, man, I wish I knew. <laughs> I really wish and I knew. And it, it was gone, but it was good. It was, it was, it was good. So, we knew we had something then. And then so we met, like, I think the next week to record, and then we continued to record. And uh, we have just, I think this is episode 52. 52. So Y'all are here. 52. You guys are part of 52. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, what, what's been really interesting, so we're four years in. We started in uh, late summer of 2015. Uh, we have started our fourth season. Um, and what we've kind of realized is that, A, we don't really need an audience. <laughs> That's right. We, we're going to do this one way or the other, and there are times that we forget that the mic's on. Um, but, but B, what we've also realized is that you all, um, practitioners, teachers of color, teachers from LGBTQ plus communities, um, you know, all these affinity groups, it was just really interesting to see how many there are here. This is where we get our breath. This is where we get our ideas. This is where we get our inspiration. Um, because really, if anything, I feel like we've been trying to tell stories that we didn't create, that we didn't necessarily live, um, but with people who are just willing to tell those stories out there for everybody's benefit. Um, we had the amazing opportunity. So if you want to check out what we're doing, as Wajma said, we are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify. Um, there's a rumor that we're on SoundCloud every now and then. Yes. Like sometimes it just kind of, uh, SoundCloud's got a mind of its own. Yes, we are SoundCloud. SoundCloud Our students are very impressed that we're on SoundCloud. Yeah, they are. They think it's like, well, they won't listen to us otherwise, right? And Or they'll listen to us on Spotify. We're also on Google Podcasts. Um, and, you know, I think this summer when we did our Revolutionary Summer Mixtape, yes, uh, we had this out. incredible opportunity through the National Education Association to go to Houston for their Racial and Social Justice Conference. Man, we talked to some people, like all the way from Boots Riley, uh, sat with us. He was so generous, gave us 45 minutes of his time. Uh, we talked to Diana Asili. We sat with... Uh, Jessica, Jessica Matthews from uh, who's doing all that great work in Flint, Michigan. So if you're looking for you know some kind of interesting conversations that really highlights the power that teachers have, like I was just in a session with where are my Latinx educators from that affinity group? Y'all in here? I don't know if I believe y'all. You're not loud enough, but like <laughs> no, but so so you know one of the things that gets said a lot is as teachers, you know, what power do we really have? Like, you know, I'm, I'm just a classroom teacher. I'm just trying to work out what's happening with my students. I'm just trying to keep my papers graded. Uh, I'm just trying to manage my 13-year-olds. Oh, by the way, shout out to Kevin and all y'all who had to trust subs today. Yes. yes. Give it up for all y'all who found a way to trust yourself. Trust no subs. We were going back and forth. He was like, I don't know, man. It's like eighth graders. Like, what are we going to I was like, man, it will be okay. Like, we're going to drive back to Denver. We're going to untie the subs. It's going to be fine. Right. They right. will be safe. It's all good. No one's going to get hurt. Um, so no, help me through that. That was real help. Thank you, brother. Yeah, no, yeah. I, uh, because I'm at this point in my career where I'm just kind of like, listen, like, my everyday teaching is not perfect. 
So today will probably not be perfect, and it will be okay. Plus, we all want a reason to yell at our kids, right? So there it is. Like, just you reminded me of okay. catharsis. <laughs> That's the main thing. Um, what was I talking about? <laughs> this is how the podcast goes. <laughs> oh yeah, this is how it goes. We don't edit it all, so if you listen to us, um, you can kind of tell. But so what we've realized is that um, there are educators who are just doing incredible work, and yes. I'm like looking around. I'm seeing some really familiar faces from just the different activist circles, from the different community circles that I've been a part of, and like we're doing the work. Um, every single day. So don't underestimate your power. The folks that we talk to in Houston, these are people who are just like they're doing their teaching and they're responding to the needs of their community, which which is the most revolutionary thing you can do. Yeah. You know, to add to it, and I want to shout out the Black <coughs> Educators Group. Black Educators Make some noise. Make some noise, Black Educators. There we go. All right. Uh, we had a large group. We we were kind of upset because our room was a little tiny for us. So y'all need to make sure we get enough room next time. They they were just looking at the overall demographics but, of teaching. They but, didn't think there'd be that many. Yeah, <laughs> but, but but what it reminded me of is, you know, that we all have voice. We all have agency. We are all experts. We have all been doing this work. You know, and there are people in here with doctorates, there are people who are still trying to get into teaching, but we've all been doing the work. And I think the more we can raise our voices and let people know that we are the experts, right? And we know how to work with our children and to meet their needs. And we know what they are capable of and all the energy that they bring to us on a day-to-day -day basis. And I want them to bring that same energy every day. And I want them to show up and be their authentic self, you know? And I think when we started this podcast, it was to let kids see that we can be activists too. Right? And when we were in uh, Houston, we met some, a lot of activists. And me and Harari were like, we don't see ourselves in the same light as you guys. But they were like, you guys are. You guys are out there raising your voices, advocating for your students. And I would just encourage all of us in this room to find those ways where we can really advocate for our kids because we know what they need. We are the experts. We are aware of what our kids need. And we need to use our voice. And if that is showing up at board meetings, if it's flipping the board, if it's running for DCTA president or presidents of our association, if it's taking to the streets with our kids when they are facing immigration raids and their families and we stand up and we're willing to walk out with them is going and having hard conversations and telling other teachers, yes, black lives do matter. And in February, all of us are teaching lessons around black lives mattering in school. Yeah. But I think whatever we can do will help our kids. And, you know, Gerardo made the point that when he got into this, it was about revolution. He was guided by his revolutionary ideals. And I was the same way. You know, I had read Paulo Fieri. I had read Peter McLaren. I had read Bell Hooks. And I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to teach to liberate kids who are just like me. And there's, there's actually a drinking game um, that every time we reference Bell Hooks, everybody has to take a sip. Yes, yes. It's We're hoping at some point she'll come on the show. She doesn't respond to our, our tweets. We've tried um, to reach out to her several times. Right? Several times. And, and we tweeted at Dr. Eve, um, but, you know, she's a rock star, man. Yeah. Like, she, she, ain't trying yeah. to, she ain't trying to kick it with us yet. But, you know, I, I think whatever you have, if it's a blog, if it's a podcast... If it's writing poetry, if it's creating music, making videos, 
I think the more we can help people understand how critical it is that we meet the needs of our students of color and that we recruit and retain teachers of color and administrators of color, right? I think this is critical. I think this is what it's about for us and why we started this podcast. Um, so yeah. So yeah. yeah that's, that's just like how our kids finish like same. So yeah. yeah so yeah. It says his revolution. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> De dear, how many of your kids know about the podcast? I would say most of the students know about the podcast. And whenever it comes up, you know, I don't mention it in class and be like, you know, on our podcast we were talking about these issues. Wait, you, you know? will mention or you won't mention? I will mention. You will. I will, I will mention it if, it if it relates to an issue. We're talking about race, class, and gender in the classroom. Okay. Or using your voice or advocating for yourself or issues that come up, you know, which I think happen because this is what our students are always talking about. Yeah. You know, they're like, that teacher's racist. Yeah. Or, you know, they, they don't understand my perspective. Yeah. <laughs> right there, right there. That's true. <laughs> yeah, no, it's interesting because the mic sits on my desk, and like, and that's what kids are kind of like. What's that mic for? Why do you have a mic? Why do you have a mic? I'm like, because I have a podcast. Yo, what's a podcast? <laughs> it's just me talking. So you talk all day, and then you talk more. Like I had, I had a sixth grader ask me, "People want to hear you talk." You're like, uh, I think so. But I'm like, um, yeah, I, yeah, I no, we're, we're big time. We're big time. Anyway. We're big that's time. I know that's right. Because we're not that's teachers true. because anybody wants to hear us, right? It's because we feel like we need to be heard. <laughs> no, it's it, it is interesting, and I think um, I think today has been really interesting for me. Like the the most important thing about this about this podcast for me and just being engaged in this kind of community is that. It's so easy to get caught up in the grind. Am I right? Yeah. Like, did I make enough copies? What's wrong with the copier today? I got this kid that's at that's like on one. I got, you know, I got I got my principal like sneaking in and looking suspicious at things. Um, <laughs> our, by, by the way, does our principal know we have a podcast yet? Um, I don't think he does. Okay. Uh, we'll see. There's I always this kind of moment. So we have a new, we have an interim principal. So yes. we're in this phase. Yeah, yo, administrators of color, if y'all looking for a job at a yeah, cool, yeah, diverse yeah. Uh, school in the middle of Denver. Job is up. Job posting is there. Please. It is up. We'd love to have you. We really would. But yeah, so our old principal knew about our podcast, and there's a handful, like, when, you, when you're around, and, like, we have uh, district bigwigs, and they're like, oh, you're the one from the podcast. And you're like, what does that mean? What do they mean by the podcast? <laughs> no, you know that you know, the one that doesn't listen. He's he's like he's like, oh, so you're you're the ones from Twitter. The, oh, yeah, that's where the real. And, then, and so and so then you. Do you remember what you did that one time with the D D DCTA elections? Go ahead. Oh, so you're the ones from Twitter. Dude points me out. He's like, no, that's him. That's him. So if you follow us on Twitter, I I am not I'm, I'm not big on the Insta tweets. Uh, so it's all him. Or, or the chap snats. Yeah, I don't like do nothing. the chap snats. Yeah. I don't do any of that stuff. <coughs> it's all him. I can't. I can't be a part of that world. That stuff is too negative. This is like. So this is way too much information for people, right? Like now. I can't now even say chap snats anymore because or what is what? chap? Because chap it's not snats. Because it doesn't exist anymore. It's not a thing anymore. Yeah, it does. Now it's about the Insta tweets. No, it's. it's a, are they still? They don't Snapchat anymore. They, they say don't. Snapchat. They Snapchat. There's a new thing though. What's the new thing? Oh, TikTok. Oh, TikTok. That's TikToks. right. 
That's right. Yeah, I see, and, and everybody collectively rolls their eyes. Yeah, TikTok. You know, yeah. So, so we kind of, so, so we have this really interesting relationship um, where our former principal let us record in her office, and we're yes. like, okay, so I guess we're sort of legit. Um, and now, now we're kind of in that moment. It's like, is he gonna find out? What I kind of like when say? we're outside of the circle, when we're more like the, uh, yeah. you know, outsiders that were not approved. It makes yeah. you feel better. Yeah, definitely. So, so the big thing that we really I think that has been really interesting and like I'll be interested to hear what you have to say about this and you know I was just in an affinity group where where folks were talking about being the only like Latinx person on staff or maybe even the only person of color on staff wait that was similar to our discussion wait what, wait, what? yo it's almost like our like challenges intersect oh isn't there is like there a, a name for there, that I'm pretty sure there's a name what for is that it called? I think it Okay, this might sound really dumb. Okay. Intersectionality? Oh, I think that's what it is. So, so, you know, so one of the things that I think has been really powerful about this friendship is that realizing that we have shared narratives. There are things we've been through. And what we have hoped to do through the podcast and through our social media presence is to just affirm teachers of color and just let you know, hey, whatever you're going through, it's not you. I mean, it is you, but it's not <laughs> your fault, right? That's right. Um, and to sort of elevate these stories and to just kind of put it out there that you might not have a community in your building, but you got a community out here, right? What does Michael Rappaport say? He's problematic, but what does he say? Well, we're hard body we're karate. We mess with y'all hard body karate. karate. Yeah. <laughs> so so we're here, and we're we're trying to get these stories kind of kind of out here for people to to listen to. Um, let's see, what's our time look like? Oh, we're good. Y'all have to listen to us longer. Yes. Um, so so, <laughs> we, so we, do have some, we do have some questions. I don't know if other folks have, have questions that they'd like to ask. Do y'all want to go into the interactive portion of this, or, or y'all want us to ramble yeah. some more? All right, sounds good. So we had a couple of questions come through on Twitter. Uh, who knows Mikey? Everybody know Mikey? Yeah, King Fireflower, Money Mike. All right, so Mike. he's got two questions for us. Um, in Colorado, where teachers of color are outnumbered, how do revolutionary educators stay true to themselves when so many teachers of color are happy with being a token? Right? And therefore, supporting white supremacy. Mikey, Yo, man. The fire. Yeah, hey, who knows Mikey? Shout out to Mikey. Everybody applaud Mikey. He, he can't be here today. <laughs> Shout out. I don't know, man. You want to take this one? Uh, so, you know, I think for me, it's just remembering at my core that the reason why I entered this work was to disrupt, right? Was to change the system, was to advocate for kids who I know's voices aren't heard, for teachers whose voices aren't heard. You know, and I think what's helped me is building a community of like-minded teachers, of other teachers of color, and co-conspirators. Um, I know this is the Toka concert. Uh, <laughs> uh, you just gave away. We were, we were going to freestyle. Now we can't because you just gave away. I'm sorry. Sorry to be in <laughs> conference. I love concerts. That's why I'm thinking about it. We that. should do a Toka but, concert. Uh, no. But we, we might want to change the last one from allies because, like, we like – we. I don't like that term, and Hiroto doesn't like that term, allies. What we want are co-conspirators, people who are willing to put their lives on the line uh, with us and, uh, you know, um, use their privilege to help us, co-conspirators. 
right? Yeah, and it's it's kind of like this whole thing, like it's it like the the term ally, and we're all on our own continuum, right? Like some of us are in districts where these conversations are happening all the time. Others of us are in districts where, like somebody in my last session said, oh yeah, we're still in diapers when it comes to growing up into this conversation, right? So we're all kind of where we are, but I think the idea of an ally is one that doesn't have a direct investment in the work that's happening for marginalized communities. If, like Dr. Ewing made this point, right, where she said, that you know, if if we engage in po collective political struggle, like that, that's the work, right? And so, if I, as a cis hetero male, um, can say no, actually, like the 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 sort of the killing of trans people and black people matters directly to me, then that's different than being an ally, right? That's 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 different. It's not the same thing. So we have to find a way to be invested in each other, like completely invested in each other, understanding that my fight is your fight and your fight is my fight. And I, I think that's why having a strong team, people who you can go to, I think can help you maintain that revolutionary mindset. Because in my experience of 14 years, it gets hard. There are hard days, there are things that come up that challenge it, right? because it's not the perspective of the dominant culture. It's not what the schools want. They don't want kids, uh, in particular, kids of color to come out to be critical of the system. Wait, they wait, don't wait, like wait, wait, when wait, they wait. advocate for I themselves. Think, I feel like you're suggesting that the system is working exactly as it was designed to? Uh, to quote, yeah, that's what Jeffrey Duncan Andrade that's says. He says that, it, that, that public schools are not failing that they are doing exactly what they're supposed to do, right? To separate, to decide who are going to be the workers and who are going to be the management, um, you know? And so I think the more we can advocate, and, and I think if we build um, a revolutionary consciousness in our students, they will hold us accountable, you know? And, 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 and so when I look at my students and I see them at points of struggle. I see them uh, frustrated with the system, frustrated with even me in my classroom, you know, and what I'm putting in front of them. I have to be critical of my own mind and live in my own mind and ask those questions about how am I responding to this child? Am I helping to build them up, you know, to make them the person that I know they are capable of being or am I breaking them down? And I think it's easy for all of us, like Mikey's question says, you know, to, to get into these habits of just like, I just want to go through. Can I just get through the day? Can we just get through and make it easy and avoid the messiness? But I think for kids of color to really grow and to become who they are meant to be, it's got to be messy. It will never be clean. Um, so we, we learned that our school is red on the DPS-SPF. Um, and, you know, I think as, and I see a bunch of people nodding, man, so it's like Team Red right now, right? <laughs> um, but, like, it, you know, w one of the things that gives us a lot of ambivalence about these ratings is that, on the one hand, when you start looking at some of the data, it's like, well, yeah, we're not doing right by kids of color. We're not doing right by kids in poverty. We're not doing right by certain populations of our school. Um, but at the same time, there's also a pushback that says, well, none of this data is valid, right? Even though so many of us kind of look at this stuff and like, you know, so we have colleagues who've gotten really upset about kind of this data and we just kind of shrug and say, well, 
I mean, they're not wrong. And I think that's the, I think that's the difficulty because I, I think embedded in Mikey's question is this question of how do you address these systems of power even when sometimes these systems of power tell us things that are kind of valid, right? Um, we do need to do better on, on behalf of these students, but we can't lose sight of like what that actually means. It doesn't mean uh, teaching to a test or... Or that you know, we kind of, ignore their humanity. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, we have uh, another question from Mikey. Um, as teachers of color, and want folks in the room to think about this one, knowing that this education system was set up to destroy us, how do you keep from taking it personally? And how do you keep from that savior mentality when it's obvious so many refuse to do right by our kids? I, I think community is critical um, when it comes down to that because I think it's easy to get caught up in your own thinking processes and just easily be convinced by whatever colorful graph or whatever um, well-crafted talking point is kind of rolled out to you. Um, when you have a community that is willing to discuss these things, um, are we working for the kids or are we working for ourselves? I think that's a really important way to engage that. You know, when I think about that question, I grew up uh, out, uh, in the church uh, I was uh, reluctantly often dragged to church, but uh, I always think of this phrase that uh, you can be in the world, but not of the world, right? And so like when I think about my, this idea that like we are in this system that is designed to oppress, it's designed to, you know, separate, um, I have to see myself as someone who, and Gerardo is very big on this. Um, and he used to call himself a disruptor. Now he's moved to calling himself an abolitionist. Yeah, right? burn it down. Because he's advocating burn down the system. And, and I think... <laughs> that's not really practical, but like... But, but I think know. that's where we're at because a lot of the problematic stuff is, is rooted in the system and the nature of what it is. And so I think we, as educators, it's time for us to start asking real questions and really challenging that system. You know, in the Black Educator Group, we, we had some conversations about how do we have these hard conversations, right? How do we push back against the system when we're in it? And I think we've just got to be brave and do it. And we've got to say what we think unapologetically. We've got to show up and say, this is me. And you can love it or uh, hate it, you know? You can um, tell we have a lot of friends. But this is exactly, this is who I am. And so, like, I took to, to, to the uh, quote, uh, if you weren't there, I, and this was during the strike when I came up with this. So I said, <laughs> I said, uh, if you weren't there during my struggle, don't be there during my bubble. So, <laughs> That's good. You know, like, That's like, good. For real, like, if you can't handle it, I'm just going to, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to let you know, um, you know. And I'm going to try to do it in a compassionate way because I know nobody's going to listen to me if I just call you out, right? But I'm going to let you know that it's we can do more for our students, right? And I am a, a what we call in the Denver Public Schools a senior team lead. So I'm having these conversations a lot when I go in and observe teachers. And I'm like, those practices are not building our kids up. They're harming kids. And so you have to have these conversations. And, and, and what I always rooted in is what's best for kids. What is best for our kids? How do we help build them up so that they can be successful every day and willing to come back into these buildings where they are under attack constantly, constantly under attack, constantly told that the way that they present themselves is not the right way. 
And I, and I think we have a choice, and then, and then we'll open it up to questions. I think we have a choice um, to borrow from, uh, like, hip-hop culture. Like, we can choose to either be artists in the industry or industry artists, right? So one of those is kind of like rolling out like the way we're expected to be and one of those is you know sort of asserting ourselves and being that positive presence and it may it may change from time to time but i think that's the choice before us so oh yay thanks everybody give it up for watchman she and christian are dope doing this all right so um we can take questions if y'all want to like ask us stuff ask us anything yeah especially questions about hip-hop not yeah. that new stuff, that real hip-hop from not that new stuff. Man, it's um, all real hip-hop. Okay, it's all it's real, real hip-hop. Hip I can't do that. <laughs> Hi, um, it's not about hip-hop, but I wanted to know either what you guys are reading right now or what you'd like to teach your students. With books. Oh, you, okay. You go, you go first. What am I reading right now? Um, right now, actually, so right now I'm collaborating with um, a former colleague of mine who's working on a PhD in California. Um, looking at stuff around racial linguistics and sort of how language is is deployed in schools, um, and so I, I've been doing a lot of uh, of reading around concepts of language repair, language correction, and how that represents such a a microaggression towards so many of our students. Um, so I've been thinking a lot about those types of texts and how students express themselves. Um, I had my, uh, I, I teach a class in student voice and leadership at the school, and we read the book When We Fight, We Win, um, which is a, a history of 21st century progressive movements. It talks about LGBTQ plus movement, talks about uh, the Dreamers movement, Black Lives Matter, Occupy Wall Street, like a lot of these movements that have kind of come to define a lot of uh, progressive work and thought, um, and just kind of having them kind of work through that. Um, what do I teach my kids? What am I teaching my kids? So I didn't leave a lesson plan for one of my classes um, because it is that student voice and leadership class and they've got some decisions to make and I, I told them I, I think it would be great if you make your decisions in my absence. Like you tell me how it is like when we get here and so um, there's a lot of that stuff. I used to teach a hip hop studies class. I miss teaching that class so much because we would open class with ciphers. So everybody would, would do an identity kind of text on themselves um, and it was just really interesting. They um, they struggled with it, and then eventually we had kids doing it in Espanglés. Like we had all that kind of stuff like going on, and watching kids kind of take on those beautiful things about hip hop, right? The walking tall, and you know, asserting your right to be in a space regardless of anybody else tells you you can be in that space. Um, that that was super fun. Um, I got a whole bunch of other books, but. He, he stays packing books. I stay, I stay um, I'm, books. I'm wrapping up uh, Evel Ewing's Ghost of the Schoolyard. If you haven't read it, read it. I think it gives you a lot of perspective into what we see when it comes to these school closures. Um, we are also, um, when it comes to our students, or my students right now, um, I have had the pleasure, I have a, what they call a teacher candidate from... Uh, the University of Colorado Denver in my classroom. We in the room. I hear some music. Represent. There we go. Um, and uh, he has been teaching a unit about race, class, and gender. But uh, we've also been using a book called "Tell Me Who You Are." Oh yeah, We're which was written yeah. by two of the most amazing young women from Princeton, New Jersey. Winona um, Guo and Priya Vulci. And um, I believe, let me check this. Um, they are like nineteen and twenty. 
I think so they're 20 and 20 now. Tw- they finally we made literally it to 20. They got to half our age. Yeah, we're working. We're part of a fellowship with them um, uh, and their organization, Choose, Choose. or It's on and, my water bottle. And, uh, and so we're using their book, but what they did was they realized in 10th grade, they were like, you know what? We've grown up here in beautiful Princeton, New Jersey, um, and we haven't talked much about race. Until 10th grade, they all of a sudden had a white teacher who brought up race, and they were like, oh. and, and it was following the, the killing of Eric Garner. And so this, this teacher who identified as a straight male wasp, like, all that, like he identified himself this way to the kids, he said, I don't, I don't feel equipped to have this conversation, but we need to have this conversation. And so through their lesson, they realized... Don't they were question like, your power as teachers. We haven't <laughs> learned about race. We haven't learned anything about race. We'd love to know more about race. Um, and so what they decided to do was they said, we're going to start to interview people throughout New Jersey, right? First, or maybe just started in Princeton, but they yeah, spread out to New Jersey. And it was mostly Instagram videos at first. Telling their story about race, right? And so then they started to travel to other states. They have traveled to all 50 states. They have interviewed loads of people to tell their stories a healthy book. It's about nice. race. This book is really great for first-hand accounts from a variety of different perspectives about race and what it means. It's a great place to introduce students to this idea of race. And, and these girls, their goal is to help to... Now, they're working on a gap, but they're, they're working on a different type of gap. Oh, the, 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 heart, the, heart gap. the heart mind gap. They're working on what they call the heart mind gap. Oh, sorry. Gap. I thought you weren't thinking of it. You were, go you ahead. You were being no. dramatic. No, no. You go ahead. You're, <laughs> explain the heart mind gap so, to the people. <laughs> all right. Um, I did not mean to impose myself on that part of it. Hey, bro. Like, so, really quick. Um, your student teacher was so terrified that you were going to miss today. Like, so scared. Don't put him on blast. No, no. I'm not saying his name. He was scared. Um, oh, see. Sí. <laughs> yeah, sí. como quieren. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. I, I was going to translate because I want people to know I kind of speak Spanish. It's all good. Nah. Trying to so Spanish that. is my second language. I want everybody to say that. So anytime a person compliments my English, like it's like, it's like, I mean, yeah, it's my English. No, I, I said like, so I, I had, there, there was a colleague I had, a Spanish teacher was kind of like, boy, your, your English is so good. And I'm kind of like. I should hope so. Like, I've been speaking it all my life. I have a white mom, and I like <laughs> speaking this all my life. So the, the question, if anybody didn't hear it, was what, what advice do we give to white educators um, to sort of support um, some of this work um, around kids of color and, and teachers of color? Honestly, I just think, listen, you know, I think that, and now, I feel like I'm probably preaching to the choir in this room, right? I feel like the white educators that we have in this room made a conscious decision to come to this space and engage in some topics that maybe don't directly include them, right? Um, but implicate them really deeply. I think that's a really important thing. I think where, where I've run into challenges is when my narrative gets questioned, right? 
So it's kind of like, yeah, I had a colleague ask me once if I could give advice to a young man who, quote unquote, had been pulled into the gang life and share my experiences on avoiding that. And I'm kind of like, so I might be from Five Points. I might have gone to Manual High School. Any Manual people in the house? Manual. Manual. Right. Oh, we got Manual people right here? Thunderbolts. I think we met last year, too. Um, so like, sorry, Thunderbolts, we roll differently um, than a lot of folks. Um, but there are a lot of assumptions that were, that I don't have to explain to you, that these assumptions have been made. So when I've shared that story with some colleagues, they're kind of like, well, are you sure that's what they meant? I mean, maybe you're just being a little sensitive about, like maybe, I don't know, like, I mean, just think about, you know, how you carry yourself. And those kinds of things are, are sort of, I was going to say sometimes they're well-intentioned, but I'm not convinced that they're well-intentioned. But even if they are, I think those are the things that can be really microaggressive. Um, I get pigeonholed sometimes because I'm not as nice as Kevin sometimes. Like, I, I feel like... He's not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. This is why it works. Except when we're both, like, in a negative space, that... Then that's, it's bad. That's hard. <laughs> that's hard. Because, like, uh, which one of us is going to pull the other one like out we're right both now? on one today. So yeah. Look out. And there's episodes. Oh, there's episodes. Um, but, so... So I think um, I, I think that that's why I get like really defensive is feeling like my, my narrative is not being respected um, kind of on its own terms. And so I think when I call it out, then folks will respond with, well, of course you're mad. Like you're the mad brown dude. Like, like we, we get it. This is how you talk. This is how you interact with people. Um, and so what I would ask of my... Um, woke aspiring. It's like Joey Badass said, right? Like, you know, some of us woke while some say, say snooze. I, I'm kind of like in and out of sleep at points, you know? Um, so I would not say that I'm woke. But if we're aspiring to that level, I think um, I think it's important that we recognize our privilege and be able to call that stuff out. Hey, why are you questioning his story? Why are you questioning that this is happening? Like, I'm sorry, like, did you not hear what this person just said about their experience. And I think, I think all of us with privilege, which is everybody in the room, we have some privilege somewhere. I think all of us with privilege have that responsibility to be able to speak to folks that otherwise may not hear. Yeah, and I would add, uh, you know, I love that Gerardo started with this idea of listening. But um, I think my, my wife always tells me, she's like, sometimes I just want to like vent and just let you know and express my voice. I don't want you to fix everything for me. And it's taken me a long time to understand what she means, but I think thing, right? sometimes we need our, our white colleagues to, to listen and just hear what the students are saying and try not to take it personally, right? We, we, when a kid says, you're racist, right? They don't always have the sophisticated way to explain, I feel like you are being biased towards me. The way you're treating me doesn't feel right. I feel like you're treating me differently than you treat this student. You're not yeah, like how, And how many times have we corrected them and said, um, do you really know what racism is? Like, that's not racism. And so without actually hearing the intent behind what they're saying. Yeah, and I think seeking to understand kids' perspectives versus just kind of writing them off, right? Or, um, you know, we hear all the time in our building, well, you know, these kids don't want to be here. They just don't care about their education. But those same kids are the kids who show up day in and day out. And they're always they have perfect there. attendance. They are always there. They don't give us a day off. They're like, they're here every day. And so I think about like seeking to understand that and, and try to avoid those kind of quick judgments that pop in your mind, right? Those quick judgments that pop in your mind, push that one to the side and be like, nope, 
nope, that was the easy thought brain. That was the easy one to go with. So <laughs> I'm going to put that one away because that's a trash thought, right? And go more with the difficult thought, right? The difficult thought is sit down with that kid who I just had a blow up with. And we're going to talk. And I'm going to be like, how are you, right? Gerardo is very good. He, he's taught me something really good. When a kid's having a really difficult moment, I teach eighth grade, and I have some kids that have a lot of difficult moments, right? But one of the easiest way to start is, is everything all right today? You're not being yourself, right? I think rooting it in understanding that our kids are great. They're not good. They're great. They are great, right? And they show that greatness all the time. If you go see them at church, they're great. <laughs> if you watch them, how they help out Abuelita, they're great, right? If you watch how they go home and take care of their little brother or little sister, they're great. If you watch how they stand up for people in their neighborhood who they care for, they are great. And I think the other thing is make sure the kids pay attention to how we treat everybody. So sometimes we might say, well, I only treat, I only, I'm only yelling at the kid who is wilding out all the time. Uh, little Kevin is always tripping. He is always out of seat. Kevin is always tripping. But Gerardo, <laughs> while he's quiet, he rides the bus to school with little Kevin every morning. He knows what happens in little Kevin's house every night and what little Kevin deals with and that why little Kevin is wilding out. And he sees his teacher saying, he's patient with little Kevin, so I know he'll be patient with me. Right? The kids are always observing. It's how we treat them all. It's how we treat we're, them We're all. always teaching. We're always teaching, right? Whether we mean to or not. Yeah, and I think also um, I want to take that question and uh, take it to just one other step. Um, so my partner came here um, undocumented in the late 70s, and, um, and she shared her story um, many times about just kind of the struggle that they went through um, being undocumented until the amnesty in 86 and she's run up against the same kind of like questions about her story her narrative those things that have happened and um, and she gave me a line so uh, especially POC LGBTQ people um, in the room um, are women educators in the room who find that their stories are discredited or challenged or doubted um, she has one little line that she'll say to people. She'll say, I don't need you to believe me. Or, I, don't, I don't need you to agree with me. I need you to believe me. So you may not agree with the way I interpret this incident that happened, but this incident happened and you need to believe it. And so I think that's a way that we can advocate for ourselves. It's like, listen, um, you may not have taken this incident in my life and done what I did with it, um, but you can't doubt that it happened. All right. Other questions? We have question by, by my by my estimations, we have like four or five minutes. Okay, we have a question. Right oh. What's up, Carlos? Hello, Carlos. That's the man right there. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, all right. <laughs> He's like, I, I'm a man, not the man. <laughs> I don't know about that. So uh, I want to go back, Ken, because you talked about uh, abolitionist uh, teaching and thinking about like. A lot of people in the room aren't really there yet or might not understand what that what that really means. Yeah. Um, and when you said that, we had a conversation earlier before lunch, when we were on the same wavelength about like calling ourselves abolitionists. Um, yep. 
I guess, what, what, what's your, what's your spiel on like, or like quick little elevator talk on like why abolitionists, uh, why, why educators should be abolitionists? Yeah, no, this is a great question. And, and, and I think for me personally, so first of all, if people want to know what that looks like, I don't know. Um, we've had this system of compulsory education for a really long time. We've had capitalism for even longer. Yep. Um, and we've had industrial capitalism for a long time as well. And so, um, so the way I kind of view it is that we've gotten to a point where, where so many systems and institutions are so tightly intertwined um, between corporate interests between this, between the um, the system of mass incarceration uh, that Dr. Ewing referenced, that, that a lot of us have talked about today, and between a system that, um, and let's just leave the assumption one way or the other. Let's just assume that there's a lot of great stuff going on in a lot of schools and a lot of school systems. Right? We know this, right? Every school has great things happening in it. Um, but systemically, we keep seeing the same kind of patterns. We keep, keep seeing this institutionalization of black and brown bodies, right? And the destruction of black and brown bodies. And so, um, to me, we, we need to start moving um, from this kind of, um, this notion that the system as constituted can function and empower um, the least among us in terms of power and privilege. And we need to move to actually starting to reconceptualize what education really looks like, what it means to learn, what it means to grow, what it means to become a fully functioning um, adult person, a fully actualized adult person. And a lot of those things have to happen separate from the industrial capitalist model, in my opinion. And so what, so the short answer is burn it down, but I know that's not practical. Um, the, the longer answer is that Within this system, there are so many opportunities to disrupt and dismantle that we have to do it wherever we can. Um, we've engaged in, so I have a class that's working on creating policy for our school. Um, and what we're effectively doing, so they're going to try to come up with a policy to increase a student role in teachers' professional development. Um, but what we're really looking at what we can do is break down that fourth wall right? That wall that exists between the students who are subject to our teaching and those of us who are teaching. So very rarely do we actually get a student voice and where a school needs to go. And so that's one of the ways we start actually abolishing the system that relies on, um, on compulsory attendance, following orders, following directions, listening to bells and responding to them, like all that kind of stuff, and actually going into a community-based collaborative system. And I'm not sure what that looks like, um, but I do think um, that through my studies and through my experiences, I, I just really think that we have to move towards dismantling um, education as a system in, the, in this country and replacing it with something else. Well said. Thanks. It's almost like I thought about this. I think you have. <laughs> Yes, ma'am. Um, I had a quick question. Um, I'm a first year teacher, and yeah, shout out to first year teachers. Yo, this isn't gonna help you feel better, but I don't even remember my first year teaching. Like it was that much of a blur, and I'm that old. Um, I was wondering, like, what is your advice for a first year teacher of color? Listen to the podcast. No, um, so, no, I think I think. Wow, you want to take this? You look like you wanted to think. No, you jump in. Go ahead. All right. I see when he does that. I don't know if he means it. Like, I, 
<laughs> I think, um, so you're probably already used to the challenges that you're facing, right? Just remember, those challenges will probably always be there. Um, Bruh. I think you want to find, <laughs> I, I'm just going to be real, I, I want to be a realist to you, right? Like, I, I'm not going to say that He's these, supposed to be the these challenges will go away or something, or that people are going to somehow be aware, right? But what I want you to know is, is stay rooted in why you chose to become a teacher. Root yourself in, in your relationships with your kids and, and supporting them. Rejoice in the non-school related things that you see the kids doing, where they are being themselves. One of my favorite things that happens every year is watching my students just dance. So whatever you have the chance, put on some music, no, like literally, literally dance. watch them yeah. dance. So, so at my school, a lot of my uh, students are Mexican, uh, meaning they are come from the country of Mexico. Um, so, like, not like and, 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 and a couple days ago, I'm going to do a little reenactment. So, maybe about three weeks ago, my, my room is right above the office. Yo, yo, Ace, and so they do record this, this dance. <laughs> and, and, and they do this. Yes! There yes. we go. There so, we they go. were all doing the room, you know, and they had finished up their work. They were waiting for a couple other people to finish up, and so they were out of their seats doing the dance. And, and all of a sudden, the security guard comes up. She's like, <laughs> What's going on in here? And I'm like, they dance. <laughs> and she's like, oh, we were just wondering. And, I, and she was like, oh, oh, okay, yeah, I see them. Go ahead, they can dance. But I think rejoice in those moments. Rejoice in those things because that's why I teach, right? I love this idea. Someone taught me when I was uh, getting my teacher's license, they were like, when you close the door, you just teach, right? There's going to be a lot of demands on you. But in the end, if you know it's about teaching, it's about compassion, it's about caring about the students, that's it. And rejoice in the students. That's what keeps me coming back every day. And, and I can put the adult nonsense to the side because my focus is my kids. Did you point at me when you said adult nonsense? Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. It's a lot of nonsense. Yeah, and, uh, like definitely this because I think um, I think the, the students are beautiful, like just their spirits and like what I love about my Mexicano like young brothers and sisters is that like I think I know who you're talking about. Uh, little brother's got he he wears a snapback and his cowboy boots, like and it's like that's it. We're rooted in tradition and we're looking that's to the future God. and that's who we are, right? As a community. Um, it's just like, that's and, it. That's just it. And, and I, I greet him every minute I see him, every time I walk past him, even if he's wandering the halls without a pass with a handshake. And dude is doing, young man. Dude is a lot of work, but you know, it's, we got to show him the love like every day. He's grown. The, the other thing I would say to you is like we, so how many of y'all have inspirational goofy posters up in your buildings? Yeah. So usually I look at those and I roll my eyes. I'm like, you don't know my struggle, man. You don't know my struggle. <laughs> right? Um, but there was one I saw that says, it doesn't get easier. You get stronger. And that one resonated with me. I'm like, I do get stronger, man. Like, it's like, oh, I can feel it, you know? Um, and so I think that's one thing to kind of keep in mind. Um, the, I, I played soccer from the age of four all the way to last Sunday. And, um, and, um, I'm not very good. Like, so you want, so like, I still play because I can get a lot of playing time as a young player. So now like I don't have any injuries and I can just like do it. Um, but one thing I like, one thing I, I learned from what the best coach I ever had, 
Um, he's like, I was getting really frustrated with myself because I just like my first four touches were a nightmare. I scored an own goal. It was like really bad. And my coach took me aside and he said, I see you getting frustrated. It's not about perfection. It's about opportunity. This game, you can never be perfect at this game. Um, there are days that we feel ourselves a little bit. We're like, man, we, we best teachers up in here. We are, we are, they should make a movie about us. And then there's other times where I'm kind of like, I'm really doing a lot more harm than good at this moment. <laughs> and so, you know, we all have those days, right? And we can never be the perfect teacher, and we shouldn't be. We shouldn't hold ourselves to that standard. But when you see an opportunity to support a student, to push them in another way, and I actually think giving that academic help and just saying, oh, so you're struggling writing a thesis statement. You know what, I'm gonna sit with you for a little bit, and let, let me just talk you through it. And just like Kevin said, we're always teaching. So the other kids see you do that and they're kind of like, oh, dang, she really cares. So if I ask a question, she's probably going to come over here and help. So just, you know, and, and laugh at yourself. Like, I think that's what's gotten us through. I'm entering my third decade as a teacher. This is 20, year 21 for me. Um, I, don't, I don't know if that's applause worthy or like, dude, what is wrong with you? Um, you, you? You finally see the light. You're starting to see that at the end of the tunnel. Oh, I don't. Yo, you can't I'm see the light, but it's a little lighter. No, it is because I'm no, in the middle of the tunnel. Like I'm in a like place I'm where I can. I'm in a place where I feel darkness of the tunnel. I feel yeah. I feel comfortable having fun and like just laughing at myself and saying, you know, if I have a bad teaching day, it's not the end of the world. It's only really the end of somebody's world if I don't hold myself accountable. If I don't just try, you know. So just try. I think I think we need to go. Yes. Yeah. Hey, so um, he is Batman to my Robin. He is Dre to my Snoop. He is Daylight to my Soul. He is Black Thought to my Questlove. Um, I am Gerardo Munoz. And I am Kevin Adams. And we want to encourage all y'all here at the Toka Conference 2019, today, tomorrow, the rest of the school year. Stay dope. Yeah.